this is the visual guide for me to know I started recording here. What are you licking my foot for? Hello? Hello. You go. Oh, I, I didn't hear what you said. It doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Ready? Are you recording, Tyler? That I am. Okay. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the latest Comics Pals book club. This is our book club for July. And we left it up to the patrons as we do now. Um, this was one of four selections that we're about to talk about. Uh, Thor, God of Thunder, ended up winning our book club vote for the month. Now, what's funny about this to me is that there were only four selections because my book won the pick last month, Uncanny Avengers. And so I'm not, I didn't get a vote. I didn't get a pick. I'm not supposed to be hosting right now. But as it turns out, you guys love Marvel Avengers characters, so maybe we'll just have to not let them be in because something's got to stop me from hosting these things. I, I what if the actual that, that it was the practical choice of the media sure, alignment yeah. as well? Yeah, I was like, okay, fine, we get it. You guys are on the ball. What if they realize? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. What if they realize? Like, oh, this is a Kale pick. Oh, that's obviously a Marco pick. Oh, that's a Tyler pick. <laughs> Um, that means Sean's hosting by default, right? All right, let's pick that one. Yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. which which uh, which person do do they give the most grace to? I feel like like Tyler probably picks like the the second in in terms of uh, uh, like more mainstreamy comics. Not, not next month. Not next month. <laughs> oh. I would have thought mine was pretty good this time. Actually, Kale was number two, I believe. Kale had chosen um, Crisis, Crisis on Infinite Earths, ah, yeah. and that, that, that came in second in the voting. So if you guys want to take part in the voting so that you can influence next month's book club, join us on patreon.com slash thecomicspals. For as little as $3 a month, you can engage with our content over there, get our newsletter, and support the show. If you want to influence the book club, though, that does that's a little bit more uh, uh, of, a, of a price there. Um, that's the $10 tier, I think seven dollars here something like that but it's um yeah but you get to influence the book club you get to take part in the votes you get to read our newsletters you get to listen to our exclusive podcast palling around over there so there's a lot of cool stuff you can do by uh joining us on patreon so without further ado i do want to get into thor god of thunder so we did um volume one and volume two um and this is basically the stuff that inspires it's a portion of the stuff that inspires the upcoming Thor Love and Thunder. Um, That's uh, God Butcher and God Bomb. Right. God Butcher and God Bomb. So this this run started in November of 2012. This is the this is a piece of Jason Aaron's run. Asadra Beach was on this as well. Did the pencils and inks colors by Dean White typically paired with Assad, uh, and letters by Joe Sabino. This is from the Marvel Now era, and it's funny because we just did a book yeah, from the did. Marvel Now era, <laughs> Uncanny Avengers. So this this is one of those, um, one of the few books that I personally really enjoyed from this particular era of Marvel comics. Um, Marvel was changing. They were getting away from the Civil War stuff, but we did get some really cool runs and seeing Marvel kind of shake things up 
getting, you know, Jason Aaron uh, store, you know, getting um, still Rick Remender over there at uh, at Marvel. Things were getting shaken up. It was a cool time. But uh, around when I stopped liking Marvel as much um, at this point, it's really not relevant Thor's past for this particular run. So I'm not going to get into, you know, where Thor had been at the time. This starts you off in a place where you don't need to know anything about Thor other than that he's the God of Thunder um, and kind of maybe general traits of his personality. But I even think you can get that from uh, from this book. Uh, in my mind, this is like a quintessential Thor story. You can hand this to any person. It's one of the things I love so much about it. Yeah. I've Thor story? That. Is that like a history or her story? Now Thor, story. Thor story? Well, yeah. based on what this book is, yeah, kind of yeah. you're right. Yeah, this Good is Thor dope. story, yeah. Thanks, uh, I, I, I absolutely felt that where I was able to walk into this book and I was just like, oh, this was a re- mm-hmm. one, a reset for the character that I know because I only know him through the movies. Um, and this felt much more, uh, not necessarily jovial, but like composed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, hot out, out the gate, uh, Sean, uh, genuinely fucking love this book. This, this shot oh, up okay. on my like... Like uh, there were moments, and I took a few screenshots. We'll get into it, but like this shot up to be like, oh, this is like some uh, swamp thing level shit for me. Wow, I, I Marco, like this shit. I don't think I've ever heard you speak that glowingly about wow. a, a comic with superheroes in it, other than Swamp Thing. So, he, so issue issue one got me. Wow. Hmm. So previous to recording, Marco messages us saying, "Oh, I have a hot take for this," and I'm expecting like. Oh, I can't deal with this Asada remake art. Uh, oh, this is I don't like this. Literally, that was not what I was expecting. Yeah, and I'm kind of happy about that. Yeah, that's awesome. This is, this is rad, dude. Kale, what about you? Oh, I hate the Asada remake art. <laughs> we know, we know that. Yeah, still. Period. Nothing changing there. <laughs> but what about? But what about the you know the story? Um. Yeah, I I really enjoy the story. I I read this. I feel like I read this fairly recently. Um, but I didn't remember reading it. Mm. Um, mm. so I, I'm not sure if I read past it or uh, what, but, um, you know, I knew what was happening, but the details were fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to, I feel like I got to enjoy it on a, a different level, which was, which was good. Um, got to think about religion, which is fun. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I like I, li- I like this. Okay, Tyler, I know you've read this before, of course. I'm pretty yeah. sure you love this shit. So go this ahead is, and gush. This is my bread and butter. This is my type of shit. Um, for me, I had been reading Thor since Trusinski. Yep. So like I yeah. went through like the fraction stuff. I suffered through fear itself and stuff like that. You know, although it was not imminent on art. That shit was good, um, mm-hmm. but. Once they announced Jason Aaron was on Thor, I was a big Jason Aaron guy, so I was excited to see what he can do. Like, I was big into Jason Aaron back when, like, Ghost Rider was a thing, when he was doing Ghost Rider and Wolverine. Like, those were two of my favorite books at the time. So, once I heard he was on Thor, arguably one of my favorite characters at the time, I was hyped for it. I had no idea who Asad Rebic was, though. Like, that was a guy that kind of flew under the radar for me. But once I first opened up, like, the first issue, and then even doing it again on my reread here... I was like, oh, this is modern, like, this is almost like a modern day Frazetta. Like, this feels like yeah. a kind of 
Metalhead's van in comic book form in this large story um, that deals with with gods being gods. I feel like a lot of the the Thor the Thor story uh, that we've had throughout the years has always been like gods versus gods, where the actual um, influence that gods have on their worshipers is negligible. Right. Where that's really the driving factor here. That's who Gore is. And we'll, we'll, I assume we'll talk about Gore and everything like that. But, like, my atheist ass was loving this stuff, you know? Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm into this. I'm, I fuck with Gore. He, he's my – I kind of like him. Um, you know what? My my faithful ass. I get it. Yeah, Gore. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah speaking my sides. language. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh I think there's that quote that's like, how does a benevolent God allow uh, such pain in the world or something like, not a quote, but like a discussion. Mm -hmm. And that's literally like the core theme of this Um, paired with the absolute idiot that Thor is like as a person, as a character, let alone a God. Um, So I think he's a great kind of foil for Gore in this. Uh, Yeah. I love this stuff. This is great. Yeah. I said it earlier. This was one of the books from Marvel now that, you know, sold me on the concept of moving on and letting these characters kind of i think marvel started to separate and stop feeling so so like such a close thing uh in these years and this is one of the books that was like okay yeah i'm cool with that thor doing his own thing being in a thor story something like this yeah absolutely a new villain also Mm -hmm. um you know there's we're gonna talk about gore like you said gore is the main antagonist of love and thunder and there's a great reason for that Gore is one of the best villains to come out of the modern, if you consider modern to be from like, you know, the Casada era. Um, he's one of the best villains yeah. to come out of that era, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't, I didn't think about this beforehand, so I might be wrong, but probably one of the most recent villains to be uh, appearing in a movie, one of the recent oh. villain creations. I think I crunched the numbers, and it might be the shortest uh, creation to uh, movie uh, jump. Because I think Miss Marvel was even before this, or right around the same time. Miss Marvel was around the same time. Yeah, yeah. Still so no movie. Right around that time. Yep. I think she was 2010. Yeah. Still, though, like the, the, the timeline between that is you mm-hmm. know, tiny compared to everything else, which is impressive out the gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The character um, really just stood out immediately. Uh, and Miss Marvel is, uh, wow, no, there's no answer here. Are you kidding me? There's uh, okay. dispute over when her first appearance is. But. Yeah, 2010, technically, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, we got a great villain, a character who, you know, has had some pretty good stuff of late in Thor. But needed something, I think, at the time to really take Thor to the next level. And this ended up being that. It even has an interesting layout. And I want to talk about that first, is the way that the story is told. And so Jason's idea was to tell a story that that requires three different phases of Thor. So, again, if you're new to Thor, you're getting to see three different versions of the character. And each one of them pretty much encompasses what Thor is, one aspect of Thor's character. And so you really get a full understanding of who Thor was, who he is now, and who he will be at the end of his life. So that's a pretty interesting 
way to showcase the character, especially if you're new to the character. Um, and each one of them has something in common. And that is, other than being Thor, this Gore villain, Gore the God Butcher. And so each issue shows until the end, one of the Thors, each of the Thors rather, dealing with Gore or dealing with, you know, the existence of Gore and how it affects their lives. So it's a really cool premise and way to tell the story. Um, and it dovetails pretty nicely. How did you guys feel about that uh, framework for a story? It, it feels like, I know you guys clown on me for always having the food analogies, but it there feels like the, the appetizer sampler of Thor. You know what I mean? Like it shows you like, <laughs> oh, this is the shit we're working with. Here are all the good, the good parts of Thor or the parts that we haven't seen yet. Uh, yeah. With old King Thor. Um, I think that's a smart way of going about it. Because Thor has been a lot of things um, throughout the years, you know? It, it's, I think it's a good way of introducing the character. And also, like, it uh, kind of ups, ups the stakes a bit, too. Because you feel like, like, if it was just Thor, you're like, all right, he's safe. Like, it's Thor. Marvel's not going to kill Thor. They just did it, yeah. you know, five years ago. Like, before Straczynski's run. Right. Like, um that's not an issue. But if there are multiple Thors, well, you don't know what's going to happen, you know? So I thought it was a, a fun little storytelling device. Especially starting the story with young Thor mm-hmm. and, you know, where he's so volatile and you can't quite tell how strong he is compared to Gore and 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 then putting him with the older Thors, you know, young Thor goes out that's it you know that uh, i i was surprised at how um how strong he was but also how little protect uh, protection he required yeah yeah like he was he was more than capable of handling himself yeah even alongside these other thors who you would imagine are more powerful but maybe they're not maybe they just have more expertise because they've been in more situations but yeah they were all beasts and that's one of the things i love about this story too a lot of times thor gets uh it feels like he's underpowered and here he's not underpowered at all he's just facing someone who's so ridiculously strong that it takes all this you know all these thors to deal with him um i love that aspect they don't pull any punches from thor's power level yeah the the i think the timeline the the way that that gets broken out also it helps to add to the like the stakes because you can see okay if he's not stopped this is the inevitable end for thor and to me that that it added to uh the the power of gore it added to you know the the ten, uh, thor's tenacity because he had to up until the end trying and is is, is making his way to be able to try to defeat Thor and it, it speaks to his character. And I think through the, the, that storytelling device that shines through his character. I, I forgot how much I loved this and I remembered it being a lot more straightforward and not really having too many reflections on it as a story and what it was trying to say. I actually think this was a very, like this book had a lot of depth to it. Um, you know, Gore to talk a little bit about what he wants and who he is, you know, he's a, you know, a, a regular old person from a planet that the sun never sets and the people are dying 
you know, um, they don't have any food. Um, they're getting by off scraps and they're dying and they're praying to their gods to help them to make it rain, to give them food. And it never happens. And Gore watches, you know, people around him dying. He grows older, watches his wife die, you know, his children, and he's just done with it. Um, and so he's cast out and by chance, you know, the gods, two gods, two warring gods land on this nameless planet and Gore watches them fight. And one of them asks for help. And Gore's like, you son of a bitch. You have the audacity <laughs> to ask me for help after all this stuff. And then Gore gets this weapon and he kills these gods. And he decides, you know what? That felt pretty good. I'm going to go see how many others I can kill. That's a raw character arc. You know, like that's a raw origin for a character. And I'm, like I'm just going to go and kill every god. It's it's personal. Like, like at that point, it's yeah. I I went through the experiences of uh, of hor- a horrible life, and now uh, when I needed it most, I didn't get the help. And your your point, the audacity to be this god to say help. I'm like, oh, we're done. If if this god requires help from me, the only help I will provide is ending that life because I don't give a shit anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. and that to me was like, oh, this is a fucking perfect character. Th- this as a, uh, from here, I'm like, okay, I get what he's, what he's trying to do. And I understand why he's out for vengeance. He's, he's been burnt. He's, he experienced it and you can't take that away from him. You can't talk him out of that. You can't, it's, and the irony being it is a, uh, it is a, almost a religious fervor to him at this point now. And that's i think the i i love that dichotomy that uh that we get here that aaron tries to really balance is to what extent is this fanaticism um and and this potential for danger and gore actually godlike and and they continue to to uh pose that question and balance you know the wrath of a god versus the kindness of a god which is contrasted with thor i, I also the, think yeah, that I was gonna say that, that Gore is kind of relatable in a way. Like, like you, you feel for him. His life fucking sucks. Like, literally everything imaginable that could happen uh, happens to him, and it's not good. And meanwhile, everyone surrounded by him is like, "Nah, you gotta believe. You gotta keep believing. You gotta believe in." And he's just like, "Fuck that!" Like, I get it, dude. It's a bit. It's a bit like being an American right now. Uh, yeah. No, you're not even wrong. Yeah, I agree. Um. So like once I read that was a the the Butch Geist issue which was like Gore's backstory I think it was like yeah. uh, six issue six or seven or something like that it was yeah. five um, yeah it was I actually really liked that issue um, yeah it was great it it very succinctly stated Gore's mo throughout it we knew kind of like he wanted to kill gods we never really knew why and like oh it's because gods never did anything for him so. He has a he has a bone to pick with him, and I, I really like that. I thought it's a very simple way to give him a justified reason for doing all this. Mm. Um, and it all maybe, also maybe kind of question like, what? Why am I agreeing with him? Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I it's that it's more that they did nothing for him. More than that, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. they did nothing for anyone. Mm-hmm. He never saw the benevolence of a god. He never saw the kindness of a God ever at all. And he's just unlucky. 
You know, the fact that he was born in a place where the gods don't give a damn sucks. But Thor is the direct contrast to that because we see that Thor helps people. He goes mm-hmm. to some other planet to help a person who was praying to him and helps because he's Thor and he's a good God. And that's what he does. I think it's I, I, that bugged me to a degree, though, because, you know, what at what point is that Thor in his lifespan? Right. Like at what point was Thor benevolent? You know, it took him 900 years to be 30 year old Thor. That was like, oh, let me bring water to this desert. Like Avengers. Yeah. 20 year old Thor who just killed and fucked. Well, to be fair, he he helped the the Vikings and and they as much as they prayed to him, they interacted with him. So I think Mm. up until that point, I'm sure he was a benevolent god to those local to him and then once he could fly and do a space bearing stuff then he's like oh this this child and he he explicitly calls out that this child right like for the sake of that child i'm going to um provide some sort of assistance yeah i would say my my experience with thor is that he's always been a good person but he has also had flaws as in his youth that were more akin to a god than the way he is now so he was obviously we know selfish greedy you know a drunk and all that jazz but i think he still fought in defense of people and we see that is a a part of him throughout his entire existence um and one of the cool things about this story is that it humanizes thor in the sense that we see his whole life you know just like a human would he grows he changes, he evolves, he gets to old age and will likely die soon, soon for a God. Um, and that's human. It's human to grow old. Um, and I love that it makes him, it humanizes him in a story where his godliness is the reason he should die. It's, it's, it's what makes him a target. I always read young Thor as like having real rich kid energy, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, and in like and then modern Thor is like the antithesis of that. So like when they, you know, once those two start interacting, it's great. And then like <laughs> old King Thor is even further gone. He's like gone in the whole opposite direction. So mm. seeing them all interact, too, is uh, that was one of my real favorite parts of the book, too. Yeah, yeah, we're we're jumping around. That's um, that's one of the coolest parts of the story uh, where the three Thors get together. And I think. You know, Aaron probably wanted that. Like, he probably saw that as, like, an end goal. Like, I really think it would be great if we get all three Thors together. But what's so cool is the magic of the way that, you know, they're able to get the Thors to that point. And that it doesn't feel um, far-fetched or ridiculous. Like, you don't have to, you know, turn your brain off to understand how this could be possible. Um, obviously, it's timey-wimey comic stuff, but it makes sense within the story and it, it, it doesn't take away from the story to explain it. He doesn't spend a lot of time telling you how. Um, but let's – yeah, go ahead. Sorry, just to that, I think he, I think he keeps it simple because it's, it's just a one timeline, right, where sure they, they jump around in it and, and explicitly enter another time. But the, there's a, a linear just focus there that allows it to be a bit easier to understand because I think if it would be – it was jumping like multiverses and shit. I think that would be a different conversation and 
probably would be have to have to be handled differently but yeah. for the fact that it's this singular life we're just jointly at a, at a different point in it i think makes sense yeah for sure um and you know as i'm going through some of the pages here one of the things i wanted to talk about uh from an art standpoint is how Assad was literally the perfect artist i think for this book um Good. there's so you know, people say like, oh, comics are, are modern mythology, comic book characters and stuff. And there is a sort of, I don't know, like mythological um, uh, presence that, that Assad's art has at times, if that makes sense. Like I could see this being, you know, drawn on cave walls or, you know, something like that, like put up somewhere huge and big and it represents moments in time for a mythological character if that makes Sistine sense Sistine chapel yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly much. exactly it, it's i think like some of the i think the color adds a lot to that it, it gives it that washed out feel sometimes which yeah. i think can vary to people's liking because sometimes you want that full brightness and you want that really comic booky color but to me it always felt like um and i, I took a screenshot of a specific panel but um it feels like he's uh he's drawing like sculptures mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and if you uh it's not great but one of the I pages the looks yeah. looks straight just like he's uh drawing a just a statue it's it's etched into marble because um it's not the overly muscular where you have like 16 abs it looks mm-hmm. a lot more formed to uh an actual like person you have the uh you have the the muscle structure you have the veins that you can see on uh different that you would see on some kind of just uh statue at a museum and i think those are the things that really that he shines in one thing i really like about asada rubik and i think dean white really helps is that you can see the pencils behind it all which I think really lends to the mythical aspect of it, you know? Like, I think it's the same reason I, I really liked it, uh, his work on, on Secret Wars. Um, it's because, like, it's not trying to hide the fact that it's art, you know what I mean? Like, it's not trying to really transport you. This almost feels like I could be reading it, reading it from a scroll that would be in the same library right. that's in this book, you know what I mean? Right. Um, I love, I have, like, a, it's like a weird soft spot when I can see the actual work being done yeah. behind the coloring. Yeah. And, you know, any other colorist might, you know, hide that or, you know, the anchor might hide that or even the artist might with the anchor hide that. But I like how it's visible. You can see the lines behind everything. It, it, uh, yeah, I, that's one of my favorite parts of a Rubik's art. The, the, there was like texture applied to Gore every time that you see his like cloak or he's enraptured in some mm-hmm. sort of blackness. There's just these like squares that you can see he's like actually etching and like doing things with the pencil that add to a texture that i'm sure you can get in another way but because it's in that pencil there's a softness to it because Mm -hmm. the weight the weight of the lines are it's very smooth um the they're not thick and so it adds to just this like almost like graininess kind of like uh not the same but in terms of a, a texture like gabriel walta where he like for vision right he adds this like a bit of just like dirt on on the the page that i think makes uh just elevates the art yeah it's 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 great stuff and even in the thor love and thunder movie as has been pointed out 
there are, you know, um, shots that are ripped directly from the books, um, you know, and that's a credit to Assad. Obviously, we all wish they'd credit him in money. Um, but if nothing else, you know, I, I know he was paid a pittance, but um, if nothing else, it is a credit to how talented he is that they just said, yeah, we don't need to add anything. This is good enough. Um, to, sorry, go ahead. Uh, just to uh, keep on the, the side of the train here, he, um, I think he also just understands the movement of comics really good, like just really, really well. He, he's able to, um, I took a screenshot of two pages where back to back he's fighting uh, and then you see his body like like Thor's body language change where he from page to page panel to panel you can see him start to just win um see if this is gonna work this is gonna work a little bit better but on the bottom he's like he's like he's down he's on the floor and then as you go over he's standing up then in the next panel he's on top of the villain then he's just straight up demolishing the the baddies as they continue to come and this all happens over the like a sequence of two pages and panels where he's on the ground, he stands up a little bit, then he's towering over, and then he's just like walloping people. And that's a really good just continuity of uh, of movement throughout the page that goes beyond just like you're posing people, right? And it's like no, you're you're actually driving the narrative through the art. Sure, I think I think he picks great moments to showcase too. Yeah. Um, there's so many instances and examples of that. Like, it's just really beautiful art. Um, and this was, I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I feel like this was Assad's real breakout, I think. Um, yeah. And you couldn't have found someone better. And he, he was drawing for his life. <laughs> he was, he, he needed, he needed to become a staple of the industry. And I think he really did. Uh, through this book so he deserves as much credit for the success of this as jason does for sure La last call out i swear i fucking loved uh Ridges are in this uh in one of the last pages as the the second volume closes where finally they, they're talking about like him addressing the prayer for this child that has water he returns to go see like his work right uh and then you actually see uh in the panel of the trinity where he's um he's up top here then and the on the bottom he's like trying to pick up the hammer on this side and then on the other end he's uh just like moping it's the three thors but it's broken out as a triangle uh and you essentially get a trinity i'm like this guy's working fucking overtime right now like my man my man's is good yeah it's it's amazing um let's let's talk a little bit more about the story so it, this is an 11 issue story um, and I feel like they got a lot done in 11 issues. Um, it really doesn't feel like that. It was also for me, a page turner. Like I really, mm -hmm. um, I really enjoyed reading it from start to finish. And I think one of the things that helped with that is the fact that you are getting three different perspectives, um, because it keeps things kind of fresh, like the different eras that you're showing are visually different they're distinct in a lot of ways um you know when modern thor is like going to the library for example there's a lot more colors in that area um you know old thor you know that world is is screwed and basically dead uh young thor 
he's a Viking. So he's like, you know, in a lot of like water and blue. And he was in Russia, former Russia or would be Russia. And then he's on, you know, Gorse planet, which is a dead world. Um, so there's a lot of visual distinction, which I really enjoyed. Um, even though it's only the one artist aside from uh, Butch Geis, who I was surprised to see because I haven't seen anything from Butch in a long time. So that was kind of cool. Don't know. Butch did uh, Tyler help me out. He was uh, he did some cap stuff from what I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one of the like stable artists from Captain America. I also think he did the off story, the the past stories of the most recent Chip Zdarsky Invaders run, uh, which sleeper hit. That book was fucking good. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um. One of the things that I love about the modern part, the modern Thor parts, is Thor's a good guy. Thor's a good guy. And I think I really, this is my favorite version of Thor, by the way. It's this version of Thor who's just altruistic, wants to do the right thing. You know, I think Gore kind of dresses him down appropriately in that Thor recognizes his impotence in a sense. Um, because I think we probably all agree that to some degree, Gore's correct, that gods mm-hmm. suck and they don't do the right things. But Thor isn't a bad god. He just can't be everywhere. He can't do everything. I think if this version of Thor could solve the ills of the universe, he would do it. But he can't. All he can do is help one person at a time for the most part. Um, but he saved Earth countless times. It's not enough. Because it, unlike Iron Man, unlike Captain America, Thor is cognizant of the suffering of trillions of people across the universe, and he cannot help them. And that's a sad... It's sad to come to a realization about your own futility in that sense, especially when your enemy is wiping out millions. And, you know, Gore, Gore does that across time. And I do like how old King Thor is the natural extrapolation from that it's like oh now amplify that sadness for thousands and thousands and thousands of years right it becomes apathy almost it becomes tiredness um exactly and he's just a grizzled old cranky fuck um (laughs) which guess what guess who was like that fucking odin so i like how that mirror is placed (laughs) in front of thor too and he's just like he even thinks that's odin at one point yeah when he first meets him i was like yeah 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 i thought i thought that was great too it's like imagine you seeing future you and you get confused thinking it's your dad, like that'd mess your mind up, I think. <laughs> yeah. You sit there, you're like, fuck, I didn't yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> what but what was interesting was I, I think all of that um that culminates in a Thor that becomes much more reflective as he gets older. And so when he uh there's that like double talk that he kind of gives he, he talks to the younger thor where he's like hey stop fucking around and doing all this shit right and then the the middle-aged thor i guess uh or the avenger thor comes over and it's like oh you shouldn't have been too harsh and it's like maybe those words weren't for me i'm like oh okay you know clever guy right and then he like really hits him with the shit or just like you're never going to become what your dad expects you to be and he's just like like he just gets hit because he's <laughs> he's had the time to really understand his his role and and um and how his actions have affected his past and he's now the 
the wisdom driver, right? And and they make jokes about it. He's like, oh, was I always this dumb and and, and whatnot? Um, uh, and and he's just at that point, he's still caring, but he cares for different reasons. He's trying to extrapolate truths beyond just like helping people. He's trying to save them from having to have that realization and live with it for as long as he has. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a kindness that, you know, only you can give to yourself. Mm. Um, so I really love that, that you, that no matter what you do, no matter how many people you save, you will never be as good as your father wanted you to be. Yep. That's brutal. Um, but unfortunately in Thor's case it's true. Cause his dad sucks. And he says as much, <laughs> um, when he's speaking with Gore's son, Gore's quote unquote son. Um, yeah. So I, I love, I love how committed Thor is to doing the right thing to saving people and how, how equally committed Gore is to just killing, um, to being this awful monster and his evolution, because as much as we see, you know, Thor's journey from beginning to near end, we see that for Gore. We see where his life started. We see where, you know, we, it's it's kind of the same thing. We see where his life started. We see when he's, you know, a young gore, still kind of new to what he's doing and fails when he's, you know, fighting young Thor. Um, we see him when he's, you know, middle-aged and kind of in his, in his glory, if you will. Um, and he becomes more and more like the gods he despises. Uh, there's a great moment earlier in the book where they compare, uh, where they talk about war versus murder. And Thor is reflecting on his father and seeing his father would kill thousands, millions. He'd come home with blood all over him and he was worshipped. Why is that different than just, than why, is, why is there a distinction in the murder, in, in killing rather? Um, do you guys think that the book lands any one way on that? I don't think it does on purpose. Agreed. Because it wants you to question it the same way Thor's questioning it. Right. Um, it wants to be ambiguous. Like, even rereading this, like, honestly, even by the end of it, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of on Gore's side still. You know, like, <laughs> um, I wasn't totally against him. Yeah, he was a little a little too, uh, a little too much there. But um, <laughs> I like how, much. a little too much. I mean, yeah, making a giant bomb that kills all the gods, you know, like, chill bud um but like i get it um but i like how that 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 answer that question is never answered because it lets the reader answer it you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's effective writing at that point right you, mm -hmm. you don't you don't want to hand hold somebody to a conclusion you want to pose a question in an engaging way and show it on the page uh, and i think aaron does a really really good job of doing that consistently because it, it also is, you know, at what point do you become the the evil that you see in the world in the case of Gore, where he's like, okay, I have done all this stuff and once everybody is dead, like, I'll finally be free. But then he is the thing that killed all the gods and what can kill gods but gods. And he has, he has to have yeah. an existential crisis at that point, but I love that refuses part. to look, but refuses to look beyond the actual future. And even then, like, you know, what is a god? A god is something that has omnipotence, you know, is all-powerful. 
uh, oftentimes all-seeing, all-knowing. Um, Gore has those black creatures that he sends to different planets that he said he's connected to. They're a part of him. Um, some even gain sentience, and like, he's like, well, I don't, I'm sure he did a thing, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so Marco, he do, you, can, do you know about that? Not to interrupt, Sean, but do you know what, what that is? What that's all about? What? What his weapon is? Like, do you have... It, uh, no, but I'm assuming it's something related to, like, null. Oh. Okay. It's interesting. I, you I, I made the assumption. Is it? Yeah, it is, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, okay. I figured cool. just because I'm like, I'm like this, this feels familiar from the um, Silver Surfer Black. And then some of the Venom stuff we've read. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, that's good. You're 100% hey, right on that. Yeah. Marco reads comics. I fucking read comics, Tyler. I know. I have I a know. whole podcast, Tyler. I've, I've, just, I just, I've just experienced it linearly. So you trying to like know putting the piece together is interesting oh, to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Okay. It makes you feel any better. I did. <laughs> and he reads comics. Well, well, his pick was Crisis on Infinite Earths. He reads a certain type of comic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, so the point I was driving at is that Gore essentially makes himself a god. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can't accept that that's what he did. Um, and I love that, you know, we're, we're shown later, you know, his son, his wife, or at least his son, I think his wife too. They're just parts of him um, yeah. that he created. And so essentially... You know, the version, the son that he has that helps Thor in the end is actually himself. Mm-hmm. Because he hates gods. <laughs> so, yeah, he hates himself. It's wild. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was excellently executed. Yeah, just like I'm not, Bret Hart. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie and say, like, I'm kind of excited to see, like, Christian Bale have that reaction. You know, have that realization because I think that's what we're getting in the in the movie, right? Right. Although Sans uh, tentacle, there's no tentacle in the movie. I, uh, oh yeah, shame. yeah. I mean, we're we're here, so we might as well. I I feel like this story told this way would have been really cool in a movie, um, especially where Thor's character is in the Marvel series where he's kind of at a crisis of faith and a crisis sure. of self. It would have been really cool to see him have to face himself from the past and future and kind of bec- re-become the Thor he's supposed to be uh, as they destroy the God Butcher. They chose to fuse the God Butcher stuff with the Mighty Thor stuff. Um, I'm sure that'll work. It's all Jason I just, yeah. Yeah, I just would have really loved to see this translated to the films, and I think it would have been the perfect time. It, Sorry, go ahead. It really seems like they're going to use it to build out more of the Marvel world as well. You know, adding Zeus and mm. actual other gods into the picture yeah. for him to play which off is, of. So. Which is funny because I didn't realize that we had the name drop of the pantheons. You know, uh, 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 in this book, Thor mentions Iron Man, which that Iron Man, I think it's like Mark third. 12 or something that blue in it, that, that uh, black and gold um, mm-hmm. suit probably one of my favorites I don't know why they didn't stick with that I love one that of my suit. least favorites oh I love that suit man um, but he sent him he's like worn the pantheons so like we're kind of getting the yeah, in between right. parts which I, I, I kind of enjoy 
I I think the after reading this and then realizing like I, I felt like halfway through I'm like okay the movie's not gonna be this and yeah, no. I was kind of disappointed because I like the gravity that this has it it, it has an energy right. to it and it has a weight and there's a message and now I feel like by if this would if this was alone translated to um Chris Hemsworth's Thor fine diluted a bit sure um I, I get it but the fact that we're handling a lot more than just that now feels like they're gonna have to dilute further and I don't want Gore to be a staple villain like it just be the name and I've also seen him now visually in this in this series and he's terrifying and mm-hmm. Uh, that translated to the film it doesn't look like that it looks like he's like this just old dude it looks like christian bale and just being <laughs> extra old and i saw somebody saying it looks like a christian bale if he was starring as uncle fester and Zack snyder's adam <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's real good but you know what like yeah and that's kind of disappointing coming off of this off of this sure. reading indeed i don't know i think this this version looks like a weenie weenie hood jr yeah <laughs> i like this version i like the uh it, it looks like a star wars character in the background that might have been at the senate next to et yeah. you know <laughs> like just You're with off, a weird off-brand off twilight or whatever yeah yeah exactly yeah oh twilight's man never mind keep going <laughs> Uh, one one of the one of the other things that I really enjoyed was being able to see Thor as a leader, because um, uh, I I I don't think we, we necessarily get that he's usually like second fiddle to somebody or he's kind of like almost like a buddy cop feel sometimes, but mm-hmm. in this there's a moment at the very beginning where uh, they find the head of a slain god, and Thor just puts up this face where he's like horrified of what he sees, and then you know he turns around. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, let's go back to drinking and fucking. And uh, and as everybody walks, he stops. He gets serious. And he's like, he talks to the kid. He's like, boy, fetch some wood. Like, there's a process that now has to begin. And he he removes himself from, he sobers himself up, essentially, it feels like. And he. Literally. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. and he, like, starts to actually put on this investigative uh, hat, for lack of a better term. Crown, I guess. Um, and he starts to figure out like, well, what happens here? And there are multiple instances where um, he does that when when they get afraid of the uh, what is it of the fog, and they see something in, in the fog, and it's Gore that's you know kind of just running around, uh, or sorry, one of the the black extensions of him, uh, and he tells them he, he gives him this whole roaring speech about like not being afraid, and we're gonna go and kill these people. Uh, and then quietly on the side tells his person, it's like, hey, let's go slow. Like, I, I understand what my people are feeling and I understand the role that I play. And he does that multiple times. And it culminates in this really great moment where uh, when the Vikings come and save him from gore and he's at a loss to understand what's going on, all of those things built up to the fact that, well, they're going to die for him out of this glee. And it's not religious fervor. It is, I am happy to be dying for somebody that has affected me and done good to me. And uh, the fact that Gore couldn't understand that, he, he just didn't have the capacity to, um, 
super effective writing. I love that bit where Gore was like, no, I'm trying to help you guys. Like it showed like where Gore's stake in the game was like he, he, he did not want to hurt random people. That's not his MO. It's like, that's not the typical Marvel villain um, thing where he just wants to hurt people. Like, no, he's specifically with gods. And in fact, he thinks he's on the side of the everyman. Um, I love that part of it. I, I totally forgot that was an, an even like another wrinkle in Gore's story until I reread this. And I was like, oh man, that's the good stuff. And I think that's a, that's a very interesting, you know, commentary on sort of society and how people deal with religion. Uh, there are people who are religious that are good people for whom religion is something that helps them. It empowers them. It, you know, m- you could argue makes them better. They use it to make themselves better. I'll say it like that. There are other people who are religious, who do b- bad things, terrible things, and they use their religion to justify it. They hide behind the cover. Specifically five of them right now. <laughs> um, there are people who don't believe in relig- religion at all and think that people who do are stupid uh, and that they're the bane of this world and that they're ruining everything. You know, it comes in all shapes and sizes. And I think that what's interesting about this book is that it's not saying that religion is bad. It's not saying that God is bad. It's saying that Gore's perspective, his subjective experience has led him to believe this thing. And he is applying objectivity to a situation that simply isn't. Because for these Vikings, Thor is a God and he's a good one. And they die for him because he's done right by them. And Gore can't see that because he's never seen that. That's foreign to him. That doesn't exist. Still what makes me want to make a Gore is right t-shirt, though. I will say. <laughs> <laughs> and to you, maybe he is. But I love that the story can be that. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it takes the time to do those different things. And that it's a very Marvel Universe thing, too, where like we, we know for a fact that, that multiple gods exist. That's something that doesn't exist in the real world. I mean, as a fact, you know. Sure. Um, so seeing that in the comics, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, I can see where Gore might, might you know, be right on this. It, it, it's different if you factor that into reality, but, you know. Right. He's right and wrong. Yeah. There are gods yeah. that devastate, you know, um, their people. We've seen it in, in Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's right and wrong. And I love that. Um it's just it's just such a such a well told story from from that standpoint. Uh, one thing we haven't mentioned is uh, Thor's granddaughters, who right, I think yeah. are great characters that Bunch. persist throughout Jason Aaron's Thor run. Even mm-hmm. I think it's in currently in Jason Aaron's Avengers Forever run, uh, his multiversal Avenger squad. They they've showed up. Um, I love them as characters. They're super like it's literally the three aspects of Thor. Solidify like like uh, solidified into three different people, yeah. Um, which I, I thought is a great idea of kind of continuing that you know timeline of Thor through other characters. I appreciate that he specifically had you know granddaughters as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I thought the, that was cool. The one that was just like I had impure thoughts of my grandfather. Fucking hilarious! <laughs> Don't you hate when that happens? Yeah. I, <laughs> Continue, Marco. Yeah, (laughs) I connected with that one. All right. Not for those reasons. Oh, it's my favorite future on my line. Oh, I'm going to take lessons in time travel from Mr. I'm my own grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Towards the end, when 
Gore is, you know, making the bomb or, you know, the bomb is going to be made, finished, and the Thors fail to defeat him, man, you, you really feel, because, yeah, Thor's probably going to live. It'll all work out. But you really feel the tension, I thought, of mm. this stuff ratcheting to a close. Um, Gore doesn't go out like a sucker. Like, he is in his glory. He's extremely powerful. And I love that his mistake, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I, I'm just thinking of this. His mistake is that the only person we see him kill who's not opposed him, who's, who's not a god, is his wife. The mother. Yeah. And his choosing to do that is why his son, quote unquote, betrays him. And that's what allows the Thors to win. Assuming that was his, um, like a reflection of his ego at that point, where he, um, his son being like the, what is it, the, the good angel on his shoulder, right? With the, the one that was standing by, because at the very least, he has not killed an innocent. Um, that for me absolutely was the turning point, right? That, that was the moment where he's like, oh, hold on a second. I, he's a hypocrite. And that is heretical. And we need to be done with that. And I will now empower, not necessarily empower, but like I will talk to Thor about it and, and try to figure that out because um, the the son could not stand by that. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also love that Thor gets, he, he said earlier, I, I believe something to the effect of I'll bite your eye out or something like that. And he ends up doing it. Hell yeah. That was awesome. A baller and ass move. He made him like king thor because king thor has a missing eye this is the oldest version of gore we'll ever see he made him like the the it's the last version of gore we'll see he made him like old thor so we saw them the same in all phases that's fucking cool oh okay yeah yeah um but then like just that last battle dude how cool was that when my man had both hammers dude when thor had two hammers and he took in the 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 shadow power or whatever, and then unleashed that crazy blast. Oh my god! And that's what Thor can do. Like Thor is so powerful, and I feel like even in the movies we don't get to see him just go all out and do something really crazy. Because he kind of got that. Most of the time, <laughs> sorry, it's because he's stupid most of the time. True, we yeah. kind of got it in Infinity War, yeah. um, where he did do some cool stuff. But other than that, eh. But here they don't pull punches. They do stuff in here that they can't do in film, I don't think. Like, just just the scale. I mean, I guess they could do it. It's CGI. You know, they can do anything. They can make, they can bring people back from the dead, apparently, with CGI. But, like, like that that, that image of the God Bomb when it first shown, like, like that is just, like, pure comics for me. You know, comics has a sense of scale that I don't think film can do. Uh, Which is funny because it's a, piece of paper that is the size of your head you know um but that sense of scale is just something that is just wild i actually read this physically i read this um i have the actual collection of it hardcover um, it's one of the few it, physical things it, i read does it have the whole thing it's the first two volumes yeah yeah nice. it's good stuff it still has the ar pages in it which i don't know is still in digital 
Uh, which yeah. the app doesn't exist anymore. So I thought that was pretty funny. But I was yeah. I was gonna ask about that. I'm like I, I, I keep I, see, I keep yeah. seeing it pop up. I'm just like, mm, can I even do this? I kept trying to redownload it. It does not exist on the Apple App Store. You could yeah. probably get it on like some website, third party or whatever. But yeah. sure. Uh, I kept reading this. Uh, I'm, I'm like halfway through. Oh, really? Three. Nice, yeah. dude. I, I read you this have a night. lot to go, dude. And the best part is like you go from Asad Ribic to Russell Dodderman. So you're welcome. Uh, very different, yeah. but very, very good. Very different. And I did not appreciate that difference out the gate. Uh, it just, it was super jarring. Uh, I, I needed to get used to it. Mm. Oh, you're already there. <laughs> but yeah. I, yeah. Wow. Dodderman, you know, we, we talk about Dodderman's art in relation to, you know, the limited stuff that he's done in the X-Men world. Um, but we've only gotten what two actually drawn comics from him. Yeah. Everything else has been artwork and concept design. Yeah, dude's been um, a cover artist for years. Cover art, yeah. yeah comp- him, you know, doing the interiors on a comic book full time is like a treat. We probably we might not get again. Hmm. That's crazy. I'm um, so happy you like this though, Marco. Like you have so much to read now. Yeah. Yo, genuinely, it's at least was, 50 issues. Yeah, this was hype. Yeah. Uh, uh, one last thing that we didn't really touch upon. Um, I did want to shout out Josepino because the letters mm-hmm. I think were excellent. I, I, and it's one of those things you only notice good lettering until like you, you notice it. Um, but uh, he emphasizes bold words, uh, where usually you kind of just pick a random word and you bold it. But here, a lot of the time, he carried weight, and I. Highlighted. I took a screenshot of one of the pictures, for example, where he's walking into the tomb of all of the gods when he's first like figuring stuff out, and the first three boxes here, uh, no bolds, except for the very last one, uh, and it goes through the list of the the gods that have been killed. He's like Hogscar, the harsh, uh, Crosskin, the cruel, Lady Vile, the goddess of atrocities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I recognize them all from the stories in these scrolls. These are the missing gods from Indigar. Thus is one mystery solved as another is born. And and those are the two that get bolded. And then throughout the rest, he, he bolds out butchered, god flesh, nothing. And and he calls out these words along the page. I'm like, okay, guy, I see what you're fucking doing. Top to bottom, dude. I fucking love this book. So, so you prefer when the lettering tells you what to emphasize rather than you filling in the pieces? It or feels at least more dynamic. Regard. Yeah, sure. it feels okay. more dynamic. I, I don't like when it's just you throw a bold word for the sake of comics. As you were reading out those names, like those god names, that, that was like when Young Thor first meets Gore, right? And uh, Gore's like naming them. Is that the... Or no, no this is when modern Thor is searching the cosmos and he exactly. sees it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there was a good part where um, it's Young Thor where he uh, he meets the Slavs, the Slavic people, and they're like, oh, our gods are coming. And they don't show up because they're dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those gods show up in Jason Aaron's Avengers run as part of like the Russian Avengers, what? Uh, which is like a great like it, it didn't even occur to me because it didn't happen at this point when I read this originally. But like reading that now, I'm like, oh, those are two characters that show up constantly in the uh, the Russian Avengers squad and Jason Aaron's Avengers. So like if you like Jason Aaron, dude, I'm going to I got so many recommendations for you. A lot of his shit echoes each other. Which is which is fun, I think this and his Wolverine, uh, oh, Wolverine are the, the, the top of his Marvel 
catalog, which is vast at this point. Yeah. The man's been grinding the Marvel work for years. Um, and I think this might be my favorite. Agreed. This was phenomenal. I'm so glad we read this. Thanks, readers, for choosing it. Um, I I had a blast. And I think, you know, this is inspiring me. We should probably do more of Jason Aaron's run uh, down the road. Maybe the Mighty Thor. It's it's okay. very different, but it's also very good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's I would just, like to. Mighty, Mighty Thor is a little hard to pick out a, an arc. It's because it's it's very continuous. It, it's more like where this feels like a miniseries almost, which almost feels like it was meant to be. Mm. Uh, Mighty Thor is like an ongoing. Mm, okay. We could we could figure it out. I think there's like the Magog stuff, which is good. Um, yeah, Magog. Yeah, oh, you're gonna be their, introduced. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna be introduced to Thor's Rogues Gallery, which is very very. Um, um, I think it has a better app. I, I really like Rogues, uh, Thor's Rogue Gallery. So yeah. Underrated. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Yep. Yeah. Um, I would recommend this to literally anybody. Like, if you want to read Thor, here. Mm-hmm. Like, there's really nothing else you need to, like, search for other than this. This is it. Anything else, I think, would be too complicated. Mm-hmm. Or, or too antiquated. Like I would, I would recommend Walt yeah. Simonson's Thor, but I don't think the Everyman would. Like, like, I don't think I could give it to my friend who just started reading comics. Like Walt Simonson's Thor is, you kind of have to have like a like for comic books already to be able, yeah. be able to appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just as good. And then you look at like Trzinski's Thor, which is just Game of Thrones in Thor. You know, like you yeah. can't just jump into that shit, and it's not printed regularly in an omnibus, which, hey, um, I'm still trying to come to terms with. <laughs> Uh, but I think, like, in terms of, like, if you are to recommend a Thor comic to somebody where you can recommend them, like, a book or two, this is the book. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, if you guys are listening to this and you haven't read the book, you go pick it up. Um, it is, you know, again, a lot of this stuff is going into the movie. So uh, if you want to be brushed up before Love and Thunder, check this out. Or if you're listening to this after you've seen the movie, and you want more, check this out. There's literally no reason not to. Um, If you want to take part in voting for the next book that we'll do um, for the book club, patreon.com slash thecomicspals. This was, again, voted by the patrons. So thank you to everyone who voted. We appreciate you all. Um, Check us out all over the internet, thecomicspals, youtube.com slash thecomicspals, twitch.tv slash thecomicspals. Watch our main show live Saturdays at 10.15 Eastern. Uh, and watch Pals Pulls, our comics review show, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, take care, guys. See you next month.